Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at CIV, and I'm glad that you could be with us as we continue on in our first and best message series. In the first week of this series, we looked at God's amazing grace. And there's this gratitude that comes out of a person who has accepted God's amazing grace and chosen to commit their life to follow him. And this gratitude, it flows into every area of the Christ follower's life. Now, if you're not a Christ follower and you're here, this series gives you a good sense of what the Christ follower's life looks like in key arenas of life. Last week, we looked at money. This week, we're looking at time. And next week, we're looking at how to give God the first and best in our relationships. Time use is an important part of life. At the beginning of college, I had to take this uh, class that basically was like trying to get us acclimated to university life and make sure we don't flunk out of college, basically, is what the class was. But one of the illustrations that they used, I've seen now at many other places, it really hit home for me. It's this illustration of these jars that you're going to see on the screen here. And what you see is there's these all these rocks in the jar on the side where they don't fit. And they don't fit because they've chosen to put the smaller rocks in there first and then try to add in the bigger rocks. The smaller rocks are the things that aren't that important to us. In college, it might be hanging out with friends or, um, you know, recreation time where the big rocks would be doing your schoolwork and uh, things like that. And in life, we have different big rocks that we have. But the way to make it all fit, to make all of our time fit into what we have, is you start with the big rocks first. You put those in the bottom, and then you fill around the big rocks with the intermediate size rocks. And then you can pour in the sand, and it all fits nice into the jar. And so that's an illustration for our time use. We've got to put the big rocks in first, and then we can fill it around with the things that are less important but still need to get done. So there's a lot of books and uh, podcasts and all kinds of things that have been written about how to manage your time. Eat That Frog is one of my favorites. It's a book by Brian Tracy. And the premise of the book is that uh, we tend to spend things on the less important things uh, to go with the, the rocks and jar illustration. We tend to spend our time, we get pulled towards these small rocks and sand type of tasks in our day. And so Brian Tracy says you need to identify the one thing that is going to make the most difference for your day. That's your frog for the day. And you need to eat that the first at the first part of your day. If you get interrupted, you come back to it. And so this is another time management or productivity management type of thing. Stephen Covey's the author of some best-selling books, and one of his uh best-selling books is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of Covey's habits is begin with the end in mind. And he's quoted as saying, before you begin scrambling up the ladder of success, make sure 
that it's leaning against the right building. What a great quote, right? We could be very productive and get a lot of tasks done, but if it's not towards the right goal, then it's all for nothing. So how do we know the right building to lean against? How do we know that we're choosing the right big rocks in our schedule? What if we get to the end of our life and we realize we made these things big rocks and they didn't lead to the fulfillment that we thought it would? What a scary thought that is to get to the end of our life and realize "Ah, I wasted it on these things that weren't important that I thought were important. How do we know where to give the first and best of our time? Well, God takes the pressure off of the Christ follower and he gives us the big rocks to focus on in life and the perspective that we need about time. Time happens chronologically. There's hours, days, months, right? 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 365 uh, days in a year. But that's not how God views time. As you dig into the Bible, you realize that God sees time as seasons of opportunity. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says, And let us grow we- not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, and the word used for time in Ephesians and Galatians is kairos. You might be thinking, now we're looking at this Galatians 6 passage, and I don't see a word time in there, and you'd be correct. It's translated differently in that passage, because kairos has a much broader meaning than the time, as we define it in English. Kairos is a time season, opportunity. It's not about a specific time period. That's not what's being talked about in these verses. It's about seasons of opportunity. Let's read these verses with the word kairos in parentheses next to where it shows up to get a better sense of what what it's talking about here. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, kairos, seasons of opportunity making the best use of the seasons of opportunity because the days are evil. Now, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, it gives us great, important perspective on time. And it's somewhat in line with the books that we were looking at earlier on time management and productivity. But here what we see is it says, look carefully how you walk. The the word for carefully there is acrobos. It's where we get the word acrobat in our dictionary. Acrobats have to walk exactly or they will fall and get hurt. The next thing we see is not as unwise, but as wise. It's clarified here to carefully walk in wisdom. We can carefully walk in unwise ways or we can carefully walk in wise ways. The wise ways are going to lead to blessing in life. The unwise ways are going to lead to pain and hurt. And then we see 
calls the days evil. The, this is the final perspective in this verse that we see on the days. They're evil. We live in the middle of these evil days and we get pulled towards things that are unwise or just aren't the big rocks that we should be giving our time to. Now, this word kairos also shows up in Galatians 6, 9, and 10 a couple of times. Let's, let's take a look at it with, uh, again, with those words in parentheses. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, kairos, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, kairos, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those in the household of faith. This highlights that there's seasons of opportunity in our lives. For in due season, we will reap. And as we have opportunity, we need to do good to everyone. And going back to that big rocks illustration that we talked about earlier, some of the big rocks in our life, they change over time. We need to learn to recognize these opportunities and take advantage of them. The things that were big rocks when I was 10 are not big rocks in my life anymore. Some of them. When I was 10, baseball was a big rock for me. Uh, schoolwork. Family. Now... My marriage, my parenting, work, and unfortunately school works back in there. Again, it's a big rock as I'm working on my uh, doctorate degree. But the seasons of opportunity change in life. And we, we need to learn to see what God's doing and join in with him in what he's doing in our life and in our church life. Our church is entering a season of opportunity. Easter six weeks away. It's coming quick. And that's a time where people are more curious about the faith. They're more curious about Jesus. And we have a lot of events that are leading up. We're trying to invite our neighbors to join us for Easter. We got the sports night. We have a women's gathering coming up in March. And we have um, Easter. And after Easter, we have a, a workshop on wisdom and folly. And so we have this season of opportunity to invite our friends and to serve our church and our community and it's going to be easy to get tired, right, of doing good in the middle of this season. But we want to take advantage of it. We want to buy up the opportunity that God is giving us in our calendar through Easter. God sees time in these seasons of opportunity. And we want to respond to the seasons of opportunity that he's bringing by and invest in the things that are important to us, are important to him and will bring blessing in our life. There will be seasons where family life needs more attention. And other seasons where work needs more attention. Or marriage or, or ministry. And in these seasons of opportunity, we will reap if we do not give up. What a scary thought that if we give up, we're going to miss out on reaping all the work that we put into something. And, and all the sowing that we did, God gives us the perspective that we need on time to be able to give him the first and best. There's seasons of opportunity. And in these seasons, we need to look at them with wisdom. We need to always be doing good. We need to buy up the opportunities that God gives us. And we need to endure and keep pressing on because we will reap if we do not give up. We buy up the opportunity as we give more hours 
in what is going on in our life when the, the seasons come up. That doesn't mean that we neglect all the other areas of our life. We're still responsible and need to be good stewards in all areas of our life. But there's going to be a time where I need to put more time into work. And that's right to do. There's going to be other times where I need to put more time into family without neglecting my work or ministry. And that's right to do. We need to learn how to respond to these seasons of opportunity that God is giving us and endure until we reap the reward that God has for us. God sees time in the terms of these seasons of opportunity. And it's with that perspective that we can learn to look at what God might be doing and join in with him and experience the blessing that comes from that. God also shows us some big rocks for giving him the best, first and best of our time that don't change based on our life stage. And there's so much blessing that comes from them. So out of gratitude, Christ followers give God the first and best part of their day. Giving God the first and best part of our day, it flows out of the gratitude of what God has done for us. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live the perfect life that we could not live. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, and he was raised on the third day. And we can have a restored relationship with God through that sacrifice. And if a person confesses with their mouth, and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. They make Jesus their Lord. This is the amazing grace of God. Every waste of time and sin can be washed clean by the blood of Jesus when we repent and ask God's forgiveness, accepting this, his sacrifice as atonement for our sins. And now... Those that make Jesus their Lord can have this clear relationship with God. We can talk to him in prayer. We can hear from the Holy Spirit who he sent to be our helper. And we can get direction and guidance from his word, the Bible. It's out of gratitude that we spend our first and best part of our day with God. And what a privilege that is to get to relate to the creator of the universe. Now, the pattern that we see in scripture is that people would spend the first and best part of their day with God. Peter, one of the 12 disciples, gave us an example in this. Acts 10.9 says, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Here we see Peter intentionally removing himself from the group that he is in and going to spend time with God. It's also interesting that he's doing it at a customary time for the Jewish law. Um, they'd spend time morning, noon, and night uh, praying to God. And so he seems to be following this discipline of spending time with God according to the Jewish law uh, that he grew up in. And Peter 
maybe he was doing this before on his own, but he he also saw Jesus as example in him doing this. Jesus was known to withdraw and pray to God. Look at Luke five sixteen. He says, "But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray." Jesus would go off on his own, spend time with his father. He did that after feeding the 5,000. And many other times in, in the Bible, he was relating to his father in prayer and spending time with him. And in Mark 135, it, it describes him going early in the morning and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place where there and there he prayed. Now, we don't see a command in the scriptures to give God the first and best of your day. It doesn't say that exactly in there. God gives us the freedom to relate to him. It's a relationship with him. He's not demanding that we do this or that. However, we see the pattern for people in the scripture that they would spend the first and best part of their days with God. And this is why we can say with confidence that this is one of the big rocks that God gives for us to do each day. Here's some quick tips for um, getting started in giving God the first and best part of your day. Or um, just some, some review. If you're already doing that, maybe something will be uh, helpful for you in, as you're trying to apply this. Uh, first tip is pick a time and distraction-free location for spending time with God. It's important to find a time and place where you're not going to get interrupted. Now, I have small kids in my house, and I understand um, that you get interrupted, right? And it, it can be hard. But as best as you can, pick a time and place where you're not going to be interrupted, and you can just be in communication with your father. Also, try as much as you can to do it first thing in the morning. A while back, I made a commitment not to look at my phone until we uh, until I had my time with God and I realized getting ready for this message that I'd forgotten about that commitment wasn't doing it anymore and so I'm putting it in to practice again but that has been so helpful for me to start with perspective from from God before I get into managing managing my emails or looking at social media or whatever it might be that has been a huge help to me the second tip is do the pray acrostic with your time with God. Pray, and the verse reference there is for the Lord's Prayer. Um, read the Bible. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 talks about how the, Bi the Bible is um, used in our life. Apply the Bible to your life. We want to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And then yield and pray, asking God to help you do the application. It's through his power that we can put into practice what he's telling us to do. Third tip is have something to write down. Take notes for the day. Most of the time when I start trying to spend time with God, I start thinking of all the things that I need to do for the day and I get distracted. And so I've learned to just have a notepad or something that I can just jot down real quick. Go do this later. Otherwise, I'm trying to think, okay, I'm trying to focus on God, but don't forget that I need to take out the trash later or whatever it might be. And then the fourth thing is don't give up. Keep giving God the first and best of your day, even when you don't think anything's happening when you spend time with God. Relationships take discipline. There might be times where 
you can't figure out what God's saying to you each day. Um, and there's other times where it's like, oh, that's just what I needed for the day. I asked Ryan Brown to share a little bit about his discipline of spending time with God and how that has impacted him. Take a look at this video. One of the spiritual disciplines that's been really helpful in my life is waking up early and giving the first 20 minutes or so um, to God in prayer and in scripture reading. And there are times when I'm reading the scriptures and it feels like God is speaking directly to me. And I'm like, this is exactly what I need to hear. And I'm pumped up and my prayer is exactly what I'm trying to say to God. And it just feels awesome. And I feel energized. And, and that's great. Uh, unfortunately, that's the exception and not the rule. Usually I wake up and I'm really tired, I'm exhausted, and another half an hour of sleep sounds really good. And that's where discipline steps in. That's where I need to really focus and and have that discipline to wake up. Because there are times when I read the Bible and I pray and I feel like God's not hearing me. I'm not hearing from God. But over the long haul, I've really been able to learn more through through this discipline and really improve my relationship with God, even on those days when I feel like, Things aren't going the way that I want them to with that time with God. Um, at the end of the day, like I said, um, it's really helped me grow spiritually. And that spiritual discipline's made a huge difference in my life. God is shaping our perspective as we spend time with him. We might not see the immediate results. Like Ryan was talking about, there's times where he doesn't see what, what God's teaching him. But over time, as we spend time with him... God reveals these seasons of opportunity, where to focus in our life. And he's changing our perspective to be more in line with him. And as our perspective gets more in line with him, we, we recognize what God's doing more and more. And it leads to this life of, of blessing. There's also another way that Christ followers give God the first and best of their time. And that's by doing what we're doing today. In gratitude, Christ followers give God the first and best of their week by worshiping him corporately on the first day of the week. That's a long sentence, right, <laughs> for what's going on. But there is something in Scripture, and it's right for us to gather like we are doing on Sundays. Now, before we dive into talking about Sundays, I want to mention the difference between uh, the Lord's Day, Sunday, and the Sabbath. We get Sundays confused with the Sabbath at times because um, there's these commands in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, um, that talk about giving, uh, taking the Sabbath. And this comes from the creation story in Genesis, and then it was later written into the Mosaic Law for God's people. God worked for six days, and he rested on the seventh day. Now, it wasn't a command for his followers until until in the Ten Commandments where uh, that's the Mosaic Law and um, it was a command for God's people to observe the Sabbath each week. So the Sabbath followed creation. Six days of work, rest on the seventh day. The Sabbath is a Saturday. It's a time to remember God as creator. We can do recreation. Enjoy God's Creation. Remember what he has done through creation. It's also times where Jews would give sacrifices and atone for their sins and learn from rabbis. So it was a day to remember God as creator and lawgiver. The old covenant was fulfilled through Christ. And there's several verses in the New Testament that talk about how the Sabbath is not a command for the Christ follower 
any more like it was in the old old covenant with the different rules that they would do. But the principle remains, people should still have a regular pattern of rest and remember God as creator and lawgiver. But the Lord's Day, Sunday, is a part of the new covenant. This is what happened after Jesus came and died on the cross. This is the new covenant that we can enter in when we accept God's amazing grace, that free gift of eternal life through the sacrifice of of Jesus Christ. And it has a different purpose than the Sabbath. And we find it that it falls on the first day of the week. Matthew 28, 1 through 6, talks about this. Now, after the Sabbath, so that's the first day, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and, uh, and the other Mary went to see the tomb. So this is the third day after Jesus was, died, was killed on the cross. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Jesus Christ was raised on the third, on the first day of the week. Later on in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost on the first day of the week. We know that it's the first day of the week because in Leviticus 23.16, it talks about the day of Pentecost being the first day of the week. And we see the early church gathering On the first day, Acts 27 says on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intended to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. That's a long sermon. It went all the way to midnight. The New Testament doesn't command Christ followers to gather together on the first day of the week, but it does command them. To not give up meeting together. And again, just like with giving God the first and best part of our day, the pattern in Scripture is that God's people gathered on the first day of the week in a special way. And from the early church to today, people still gather on the first day of the week. Like we're doing today. So as we gather this morning, we join God's church across the world in proclaiming that Jesus Christ is risen. And that is the purpose of the Lord's Day. The Sabbath was a reminder of God as creator and lawgiver. The first day of the week, the Lord's Day, is to celebrate salvation through Jesus Christ. So we gather in this special way. To celebrate that Jesus Christ was risen from the grave and that he, we have chosen to follow him for those of us who are Christ followers. And we declare Christ is who Christ is. And people who haven't decided to make Jesus the boss of their life, they join us in these worship services. They're investigating and checking things out. It's an amazing thing that God is doing each week on Sunday as we celebrate what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross.
This is the day, the first day of the week to reorient us, to renew us, to help us remember what Christ did for us on the cross. And then we can go out into the world and build God's kingdom the rest of the week and spending daily time with him. So how do we do this? The Bible is clear that it needs to happen. And there's some orderly worship passages that talk about here's how these things, um, there's certain things that should and should not happen in a worship service. But there's a lot of freedom in how we do it. That's why church, our church can look different than another church down the street. But here's how Christ followers celebrate salvation each week. They do this by together as God's church bringing songs of thanksgiving and praise to God. By praying and petitioning to God and and independence upon Him, asking for God to do things and, and submitting to the Lord's will. By preaching and hearing God's words, by giving God our tithes and offerings, by serving Him with our talents. And, um, you know, you can set up the easy up outside and you are celebrating the salvation, the salvation from Jesus Christ and declaring to the people that drive by, we have church services here. We're celebrating what God has done for us. Come join us. We also cooperatively or corporately worship him through the Lord's Supper, which we have about quarterly here at CIV. And that reminds us that Jesus did on the cross for our sins. We also have baptisms to celebrate those who are accepting the free gift of eternal life from God through Jesus. The focus of all of this is to celebrate, to remember, and proclaim the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And it's amazing. All that happens on a Sunday here at Church in the Valley. God uses this big rock in the lives of his people to do some amazing things. I asked some people in our uh, community community group to share, why, why do you keep coming back to CIV week in and week out? Take a look at some of what they said. Said out of obedience to God, as he says, to gather uh, together with his people, learn more from his word, encourage one another, and worship him together. Sounds like why we gather, right? Another was attending Sunday service, as is the least I could do to thank God for his love and provision. In other words, I keep coming back to CIV each week because I am convinced that the local church is one of the primary ways God will work in my life. I also feel welcomed, like I belong. I'm valued, I'm cared for, and that I have a way to contribute to the overall mission of the church. It has been a joy and privilege to invest in the people at CIV as they have invested so much in me. Sundays give us a picture of the fellowship that God wants us to have, the mutual reciprocity relationships where you give, and you take help, and you give help, and you take help, and we're all on the same team, working together to help each other to live life God's way, to be cared for, taken care of. These quotes from the CIV members are describing why it is so important to make Sundays a big rock 
on our calendar. This is the first day of the week where we gather to celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross before we're sent out into the world to build God's kingdom. And as we give God the first and the best of our days and weeks, he prepares us for the seasons of opportunity that we're going to face during those weeks and months and years. He encourages us to get through what we're going through. He renews our heart and our courage to share the gospel of Christ with people. God loves us so much. And it's a privilege that we have to spend time with him each morning and to celebrate the salvation that we have in Christ on Sundays. This is how we know where to give God the first and the best of our time. It's by spending time with God daily and celebrating the salvation that we have with him weekly, corporately, with our church. God speaks to us. He shows us. He guides us through life, shows us where to focus our time and what and, and he gives us insight into what he's doing in our life and how we can be a part of what he's doing in the world and how we can buy up the opportunity in the midst of these evil days and we can reap if we do not give up. Each week, we have some next steps that you can take in response to the message. Here's some next steps you might want to take in response to the message this morning. The first next step is to schedule a time with God each day and to do the pray acrostic that we looked at. Maybe that's something you want to do. Schedule a time. Put it on your calendar. Set an alarm and spend time with God this week. Next next step is... Maybe you're here and you haven't accepted God's amazing grace yet. It's to accept his amazing grace and commit your life to follow him. And then the last next step, I, I don't know how God has spoken to you through his word this morning, but there might be something that he said specifically to you. Go ahead and write it down and commit to do that this week. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you love us and you take care of us. And you give us what we need to spend our life on the things that are of eternal significance. To, to know that spending time with you and in, in developing our relationships, spending time with your church and, and celebrating salvation and, and all that you do on Sundays, that those things coupled with how you guide us during the week to spend our time, aren't going to be things we're going to look back and regret on, re regret that we did. You give us the confidence to move forward in life. I thank you for that, Lord. We ask that we would move forward in confidence this week, celebrating your salvation today and connecting with you each day. Help us, Lord to put that into practice, to not give up meeting together, to trust in you that you're going to do good through it. And we just ask for your help, Lord, to do that. And we just thank you for sending your son Jesus for us.
Help us to give you the first and best of all our life. In Jesus' name, amen.